Good morning, Ridgefield Baptist. Good morning. It's a it's an honor to to be with you again. I believe this is the fourth time that Pastor Chuck and myself, and if you're tuning, watching online, and just for the record, I'm not Pastor Chuck. Uh, my name is uh, Travis, and I serve at uh, First Baptist Church in Brewster. Uh, Chuck and I, we've been meeting for over six years. Uh, we have a friendship. Uh, we meet on a m- pretty much a monthly basis, and, and this pastor swap sort of was born out of that friendship. He's a, he's a, a dear friend uh, to me. Uh, he's there at First Baptist. He's preaching today. He's preaching. Uh, the, the sermon title is Jesus in Lamentations. Uh, we at uh, First Baptist, uh, we're celebrating 150 years of the church building that God gave us, and we're celebrating it by reading his word. He is the word. Uh, the whole church is reading the whole Bible together. We're all on the same reading plan. And then every Sunday, we the passage is on a, a particular book or a, a passage that we all read together. And, and this past week, we read the, the book of Lamentations. And we're trying to see where's Jesus in every page. And so I bring that up just so if you, if you need some... Like some Pastor Chuck teaching, uh, his, his message will be on our website. Uh, he'll be preaching on Jesus in Lamentations. Uh, also, I just wanted to, to give you all a thank you. Uh, Pastor John mentioned this earlier, but uh, we partnered together through World Vision. We raised just this uh, last May uh, $4,600 dollars. Uh, $50 gives one child clean water for life so they can uh, drink and they can bathe and they can wash their hands. And, and doing the math, that's 92 uh, kids that were got clean water. Uh, over the three years that we've partnered, we've raised uh, uh, over 250 kids have received clean water. And so thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's that's. And Lord willing, uh, next May, uh, the date's been set, May 21st, hopefully it will be in person, uh, the 6K, like it was the very first year. So with that, uh, would you join me as we open with the word of prayer? Father, we love you, and we praise you that your mercy is more, just like we just sung. Lord... I want to thank you that where would we be without Jesus? And so we just want to, with a unified voice, say thank you that Jesus is stronger than any sin that ensnares us. We want to thank you that Jesus is better than anything that you could even give us. We want to thank you that Jesus is wiser than any advice we could ever receive. And Jesus is safer than anywhere you might lead us. And Jesus is more valuable 
than any treasure we could have. And we want to thank you that, that you love us, even though you know the worst about us, but you love us the most. Your love for us is deep and it's wide. And so, it, oh, what a God that we serve. And so, Lord, I want to pray for these great people here at RBC. Give them ears to hear, minds to, to comprehend, and courageous hearts to respond to your unchanging, yet life-changing word. Lord, I also want to pray for Pastor Chuck as he is delivering the message shortly. I pray for the beautiful people there at FBC. That they would see, you would open their eyes to see Jesus in the book of Lamentations. And we pray all that in the powerful, majestic, glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Uh, in two weeks, it's the opening Sunday for the NFL, and so I thought I would give some, uh, some trivia for the NFL. Whether you're a, a football fan or not, this applies since we live in the, the New York metro area. Last year, the, the biggest upset in NFL history occurred, and it has to do with our very own New York Jets. All right? I don't know if any of us here are courageous enough to admit I'm a New York Jets fan. All right? uh, maybe if you're watching online and, and you're a New York Jets fan and you're like, today's the day, I want to go public. Maybe you just write in the, the chat section, I'm a Jets fan. And remember, this is a church service, so, so be nice. To, to them. But last year, the New York Jets were not a good team. Uh, the record was two, that's two games they won, and 14 games they lost. But the first game they won uh, made history. They, they played the, the Los Angeles Rams, and they were a good team. They, they made the playoffs. And, and the, the, the line, uh, the, the Rams were favored by 18 points. Historically, that's very high, even by NFL standards. Uh, the reason why it was so high is, is they had lost the first 13 games. Plus, plus, they were the visiting team. And so, they were expected to lose by around 18 points. But surprise, surprise, they won the game by three points. 23 to 20. The crowd was not on their side. But they still won. So no doubt about it, the Jets did the impossible. I, I, I bring that up for a point because, like it or not, 
And part of leadership is to define reality. And, and I realize that I'm going to say something that maybe you don't like, but, but it's reality. And that is, we live in a time when Jesus' church, RBC, FBC, is the visiting team. I know that for some of us, uh, that causes us to be sad. It causes us to grieve, because maybe you remember a time when the church was the home team. The crowd was with the church. Maybe you remember a time when you could share a Bible story, and people were like, I, I, maybe I don't go to church, like maybe you do, but... But I know that Bible story. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, those, those days are, are passing. Uh, there, 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 there's, there was time when the church was the home team. And people went to church maybe for, for social reasons. And while maybe there are some pockets today, maybe primarily in the South, but those days are long gone, especially here in the Northeast. There was days when the church was the home team. When people saw the church not only as a place of charity, but as a place of clarity. Like that's the place you go to to get answers to your life's questions. But the crowd is not with the church now. There's an indifference. Oh, there's people that drive by RBC and, and don't, don't think once. Like, that might be the place to go to get some answers, some clarity to the questions that I'm wrestling. They, 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 might, they might not be hostile towards RBC. They may think, oh, I'm not, I don't know much about RBC, but, but I'm sure it's a place of charity. But we're the visiting team. People don't see the church as a place of clarity. And so there's, there's an indifference. Like the crowd's not with us, but some, as you know, like there, there's some that the crowd is hostile towards the church. I could go on, but I want to get to the good news. Because we're talking about sad news. We're talking about news that, are, that make us grieve. But, but here's the good news. Just because the church is the visiting team doesn't mean God's kingdom can't still flourish and prevail in big ways. Amen. Amen. Some of you might see that and say, oh, I, I want that to be true. But there might be some doubts. You might be like, oh, I, I want to believe that, but, but help me in my unbelief. Some of us might look at that and, and we might be skeptical. Because you, you look around. And you, and you look around and, and you see things are getting worse, not better. Well, there's no bones about it. God does the impossible. And that's a major hint 
to the passage that we'll be looking at this morning. How can God's people flourish? How can they help others flourish when they're the visiting team? How can can God's church prevail in a culture where the crowd is either indifferent or even hostile, but either way, they're not rooting for us. So if you're like, well, that's, that's an interesting question. I would, I would like to know the answer. Well, well I'm glad that you're here. Because you're going to get clarity today from the Word of the Lord. And so I want to invite you to open up your Bible, or if you have an intelligent device, to open up to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. As you turn there, does anyone remember the song? And, and just to give you a heads up, I'm going to sing. All right. Does anyone know the song? Uh, them bones, them bones, them dry bones. The toe bone connected to the foot bone. The foot bone connected to the heel bone. All right, all right. I'm going to pause there because I've noticed sometimes when I sing, and I listen to myself online, it sounds like I'm out of tune. <laughs> so I, I think I'll stop. Uh, but the point of that song is, is it brings that song, Ezekiel 37, that we're going to read together, to life. As you're also turning to Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14, uh, I, I should point out, the prophet Ezekiel. This isn't the first time that God is going to bring him to a valley. Chapter 3 of Ezekiel, God brings him to a valley to give him a revelation. And and he, 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 he comes away and he doesn't speak for almost five years. So if we put ourselves in in the shoes of Ezekiel, and God's saying, okay, he's taking me to another valley, you might be thinking, oh, what's going to happen? But God knew that Ezekiel needed to see something because his world was falling apart. people of RBC, friends, who's ever listening online. God wants us to see something in this passage because our world is falling apart. There's no sense of any agreed definition on what is good and what is true, what is just. People think with their feelings. And if you're thinking about, oh yeah, amen, Pastor Travis, that's what's going on in the culture, oh yeah. But, I, but I'm not talking about the culture. I'm talking about it, God's people. Amen. The culture is influencing the church way more than the church is influencing the culture. 
So it brings back to the question, well, well how, does, how does God's people flourish and help others to flourish when they're the visiting team? But remember, no bones about it. God does the impossible. And so if you're asking, well, what's my role? What's the role of a local church? Then, man, pay attention to what we're going to read. Here's the word of the Lord. Ezekiel 37, 1-14. through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and, and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you. And you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I I looked, and, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as He commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet. A vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my Spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His inspired, inerrant, infallible Word. Israel was the visiting team. The home team was Babylon. And if you know a little bit about this book or about the history, the people of God complained about the wickedness 
of the Babylonians. God, change them. God, bring renewal, revival. But God's attention was on the house of Israel. It was on the people of God. How can I see flourishing happen in the culture when, when my team is dead and dry? So what, what do we see? We see this very delightful phrase in verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Isn't that, wouldn't you want to finish up a day or a week and, and, and say with confidence, the hand of the Lord was on me. Yet, God's hand carried Ezekiel to the middle of a valley to observe a gruesome scene. The unburied Skeletal remains of dead people. For kids that are listening, it's like the movie The Lion King, Simba in the elephant graveyard. And don't, and don't miss verse 2, how God led Ezekiel back and forth. Like, all right, God, I, I get it. Like, these are dead. This is dry. Let's just go back again. Let's go back again. Back and forth. People of RBC, don't miss this. The hand of the Lord was upon Ezekiel, but that doesn't always put us in places where, where it makes us want to shout and feel good. I mean, that's what we want. We want the hand of the Lord to bring us to places of celebration where we taste His goodness. And certainly God does that. But sometimes God wants to show you things that initially you may want to deny. God wants to give you a revelation where you might initially say, that, that can't be true. That's not what I was taught. Growing up, that's not what I taught. That's not what I was taught in the church. Sometimes God will want to show you something back and forth that says, well, well, that kind of goes against the American culture. But God will bring you to places sometimes where your response should be, woe is me. Woe is my community. Woe is the nation. Woe is the people of God. This passage has a lot of good news, but, but we've got to deal with the reality that, that the people of God can be dead and dry. It raises the question, what, what sucks the life of God out of the people of God. Something to think about. I mean, that's what, that's what happened here. 
Well, certainly, some answers would be putting our personal preferences or our political preferences over Christ. That, that's that, that's going to suck the life of God out of the people of God. And, and the result will be shallow love, superficial unity. God was showing Ezekiel the true reality Perhaps God will use this passage to, to show you something about your life, about the church, capital C, about your community, about your nation. And maybe you don't want to see it, but, but he brings you back and forth. Back and forth. The last 18 months has been a hard year for the church. Talking about the church with a capital C. When, when will it be over? Maybe God's saying, listen, just like Ezekiel, I'm bringing you back and forth. Back and forth. Whenever God gives you a revelation, like he did with Ezekiel, God always asks a question. He never shows us something and then just leaves us. He's, he's, he's going to ask a question. Right? The question for Ezekiel was, was this. Son of man, can these bones live? Maybe let's take that question and apply it to 2021. How can the Northeast, how can America see revival? How can a disconnected church make a difference in a disconnected culture? Maybe you could substitute the word disconnected and put disunified. If you want to know the answer to that question, then keep listening, keep paying attention. Can these bones live? Well, well, what does Ezekiel say? Verse, Verse 3. O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Can we be, can we be real? Uh, that's not uh, that's not an enthusiastic yes. <laughs> Absolutely, God. It was like the safe Sunday school answer. <laughs> you just. You've led me to this valley of, it's gruesome, back and forth. I'm done after the first time, but you keep leading me back and forth. And you, You're sovereign, you know. Can you identify with Ezekiel here? I know I can. I can think of situations as, as, I, as I look upon the dryness, maybe even some of the, the deadness that is going on in the people of God. Now, I'm, not, I'm not talking about Ezekiel 37. I'm talking about 2021. And, I, and I, this, is what, this is what I voiced. Maybe you can identify with me. I, I said, God, what, what, what I see is a hot mess. Yeah. 
Nothing's going to change unless you do a supernatural work. I, I said, God, well, what, what you're showing me is, is so bad that it doesn't seem it can be reversed unless you do a miracle. I voice to God, God, what, what are you showing me about the disconnected, the disunity in the church? Like, like God, what can I do? I mean, you, you, God, alone can do it. Maybe he's not the church with a capital C. Maybe you know a person or a circumstance and you've been praying persistently at times, sometimes off, it's off and on, but, you're, but there's a person, there's a circumstance that you want to see change. And nothing's happening. Maybe you wonder, God, I, I've been praying for a spiritual awakening in this country. Can you identify with the prophet Ezekiel. Have you ever told God a safe Sunday school answer? Because when God shows you something, you, you can't remain the same. I mean, yeah, you can deny and suppress the truth. And, and as Christians, we know, based on Ephesians 4, verse 30, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can suppress the truth. We can twist the truth. No, 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 no. That's, that's a little bit of truth. But the hand of the Lord is upon RBC. The hand of the Lord is upon FBC. The hand of the Lord is upon the church here in the Northeast. He's taking us and He's showing us back and forth. Do you see the dryness of the people of God? The good news is God will take our safe Sunday school answer. Because it, it, it does express a small amount of faith. But just a small amount of faith is all that's needed to obey God. I wonder if we can, with a unified voice, just, just to praise God. Praise God that He can and He will use a reluctant, unenthusiastic yes. God shows you something. Can these bones live? And you're like, God, only you know. I'll take it. You're saying you're available. Which is really what God was looking for Ezekiel. The question really isn't, can dry bones live? But, but how will dry bones live? Ezekiel didn't know the how. Some of us we say, all right, I, I, I see the problem, but, but how? How can the church flourish in, when we're the visiting team? 
How can the church help others who are against us or maybe indifferent to us? How can we help them flourish? Well, all of us are going to see the answer to the how because God wants to give us the how. And with Ezekiel, he gives us two assignments. These assignments are for you and for me. These two tasks are for you and for me. These two tasks is the answer to how do we see greater unity in the church. These two tasks are the answers. How do how do we influence the culture more than the culture influences the church? All right, these are two tasks for you. Here's number one. The first task for Ezekiel and for you and me is to prophesy to these bones. Uh, Prophecy, to prophesy, is the fourth telling of the Word of God. This isn't Pastor Chuck, this isn't the elders or the deacons, or if you have a role here at RBC where you teach. Well, this is for everyone. To prophesy the Word of God to the bones. Well, who are the bones? Well, the, the bones are the people of God here. But it also could be the culture. You just prophesy to the bones what the Lord tells you. And the Lord, the Word of God is, is the voice of God in print. And, and, and don't miss that what these dead and dry bones needed was not human opinions. They didn't need political strategies. They needed the Word of God. They they needed a definite, inspired, non-compromising, full of love, prophetic Word. God's Word is not even on the same radar as your Word or my Word. So we got to prophesy to the bones, the Word. I wonder if we can, with a united voice, say praise God that He knows how to breathe life and hope into lifeless and hopeless situations. Yes, He can. He wants to. But he's looking for you. Can you can you prophesy the word? Not, not, not a word that's from God, but the word. Well, Ezekiel obeys. And by the way, if you're wondering, well, I, I'm no prophet here. I'm no, I'm no Ezekiel. Uh, the good news is you don't have to be. There's nothing in the text that we read that talked about Ezekiel's personality or his delivery style. No, no, no. It was all God. He's like, listen, I want to partner with you, Ezekiel. You just got to prophesy the word. Well, something happens. There's movement. 
There's, there's, there's rattling. There's, there's shifting going on just, just by the, the, the proclamation of the Word of the Lord. But now, before it was all dead and dry bones, which was creepy, maybe, but maybe now, after that the Word of the Lord was proclaimed, it might even be more creepier. Now, now it was like these, these, the valley of fresh zombies. Frankensteins. Oh, there's a huge takeaway here. If you just prophesy the Word, you will get structure, you'll get a framework, but, we'll, but you won't have life. You won't have impact. You can have good beliefs, but no influence. Because nothing happens until God breathes in us. Oh, a person can look like a Christian in what they say or do. But there can be no life or no fruit in them. You can have a, you can have a local church. And they might have the some programs, and they, they might have the structure. There, there might even be some good biblical teaching. But there's no life. There's no fruit coming out. I, I imagine you can think of somebody. Maybe, maybe you've already thought of somebody. And they, they profess to follow Jesus. Maybe they read their Bible consistently. Maybe they've some memorized some Bible verses. But as you look at their life, because you know them, you're like, We're, there's like little to no fruit. And you're like, why is that? How is that possible? Well, this remember, God's the hand of the Lord is upon us, trying to show us something, giving us a revelation. That, that, that if you just prophesy the word to, to dry bones, yeah, something happens, but, but still, there's no life. Well, that leads us to the, the second assignment, the second task. This is for you. It's just not for Ezekiel. This is the second task for Ezekiel and for us is to prophesy to the breath, which is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit can change people's status from, from dead to alive. Ten times in this passage, the Hebrew word ruha is used in three different English words. Breath and wind and spirit. You've got to prophesy to the bones, but you've got to prophesy to the Spirit of God. Do you do that? You might have prophesied the Word of God to people, do you? but do you, do you preach? Do you prophesy to the Spirit? Now all this has echoes of Genesis chapter 2, where God breathes life into 
Adam. But, but, but oh, there's a big difference here. God did it all in Genesis 2. But here, with Ezekiel, he's saying, listen, like, like, I, I want to do this work of resurrection. I want to do this work of recreation. But you're invited. I mean, God could just say, Ezekiel, do you, do you see the problem? Do you see the deadness and the dryness? No, just watch me now. And we'd be like, okay, let's... But God says, I, I want you to prophesy to the bones. I want you to prophesy to the Spirit. You have a role. But even though we have a role, God still gets all the glory. He still does it. There's nothing about Ezekiel. There's nothing about you or me that can get any credit other than just our obedience, even if it's, even if it's just a, a reluctant or unenthusiastic yes. Even if it's just a safe Sunday school answer. He's like, I, I will use you. What am I trying to say? What does this mean for us? It means this. Until the Spirit of God engages the Word of God, then the Word will not produce the life that it was intended to produce. So praise God that the Holy Spirit activates the Word to produce the kind of life in a person, in a group of people, that he tends to see. Again, this is why people can go to good Bible-believing churches. They can, they can uh, read the Bible. They can listen to, to other sermons and podcasts. And, and they, there's, just, there's just a lot of good structure. A good, good framework. But, but there's no like, life of fruit in them. If you've ever wondered about that, now you have your answer. You need the Word and the Spirit. This is why before I gave this message to you, and even as I'm giving it, and even after, yeah, I'm prophesying the Word to you, but I'm also prophesying to the Spirit. saying, Spirit, will you activate your Word in these people's lives? Would, Holy Spirit, would you bring the word to what you want to do in each and every person who hears this message? And maybe it's a word of hope. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a word of comfort. Maybe it's a word of conviction. I don't know. The Spirit knows. But that's me. But, but when you have conversations with people, I want to get practical. You share a Bible verse with someone. Maybe it's in a conversation. Maybe it's a written. You're trying to do it as an encouragement or a comforting verse. All right, so you've just, you're prophesying to someone. But do you, do you also prophesy to the Spirit? Say, would you activate your intention with this verse in this person's life? Do, do, you, do you prophesy to, with the Word, but you, do you also prophesy to the Spirit? But even if you do both, even if you obey and are faithful, it, as we talked about, people can still suppress the truth. 
People can still deny or, or twist the truth. No, 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 I don't want to see that. And maybe just like how God took Ezekiel back and forth, God will use you in a person's life, taking them back and forth, continuing to be faithful, prophesying to, the, to, to them with the Word, and prophesying to the Spirit. So just don't do it once and say, oh, okay, I guess I'm done. This is what the church needs to flourish and to help others flourish, to, to win when we're even the visiting team. It's these two tasks. People of RBC, because if, if you have the Word without the Spirit, you have truth without life. Yet if you have the Spirit without the Word, then you don't have the truth that the Spirit needs to give life. Verse 10. After Ezekiel prophesied to these dry bones and and then prophesied to the Spirit, a vast army stood on their feet. The church today needs to stand on their feet. So we can see that God's flourishing. And by the way, if the biblical word for flourish is shalom. That we can see God's shalom flourish in individual hearts, in the hearts of a family, in the heart of a church, in the heart of a community. In, in, in the social structures. That's God's heart. But He's looking for you and me. Well, can, can you and I be faithful and obedient to prophesy the Word to people and to prophesy to the Spirit to activate the Word in their life? And we know that that can be the work of truth and the work of healing and but the work of conviction that's that's what the holy spirit does some of us we might say all right i will prophesy to the spirit but remember as christians who are born again that I wonder if you prophesy to the Spirit, if you're talking to the Spirit, and say, hey, well, I just, I just proclaim the Word to this person. Will you activate it? The Holy Spirit might ask you, well, okay, okay but, but let's start with you. Galatians chapter 5 says, walk by the Spirit. And it goes on, it says, keep in step with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, verse 18 says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's, not, that's like an ongoing thing. So, so, so how often do you pro- prophesy the Word to yourself? How often do you ask, Holy Spirit, will you activate the Word that I just read or heard into my life? That's right. That's right. 
What Ezekiel saw in this vision was the resurrection hope that our broken world needs. For new life comes from dry and dead bones. That's where we see Jesus here. Romans 8 verse 9 calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. He is the resurrection and the life. Some people come to me and say, are you the pastor? And I say, yes. And they're like, oh, well, you're, you're the one that has the answers then. And I say, no. Oh, my goodness, no. But, but, but I know the one who has the answers. And you profess to be Christians, and they might come to you and say, look at the chaos and the confusion of the world. What's, what do you say? Do you have the answers? And you like, no, no. But I, but I know the one who has the answers. And let me prophesy to you the word of the Lord. And then afterwards, let me you make sure you prophesy to the Spirit of God. So the world is waiting on the church. And they don't even know it. And God is waiting on the church, you, to embrace these two tasks. So you can flourish, that RBC can flourish, and that God will continue to use RBC to help others locally, globally flourish in God's shalom. I want to invite the, the music team to come up as we sing, man, it, it's great that Jesus, our living hope. And, and, here's, and here's my prayer for you. May the Holy Spirit breathe the life of Christ upon who you are and what you say and do as you make much of Jesus. May, may God use this passage in Ezekiel 37 to reaffirm the sufficiency of Scripture. And to reaffirm the, the, the resurrection, the recreation power of the Holy Spirit that brings healing and conviction and hope and comfort. May God bless you.